welcome along to the gardening programme on this first Saturday in March. Porrick, good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How are things today? Not too bad. It's a little bit disappointing bit, this morning, uh, isn't it? With a little a bit of rainfall yeah. and so on. It's what they call a soft day, Porrick. <laughs> soft day, God. thank God. <laughs> but a few nice pet days, I thought, during yesterday was quite a lovely it's day. Stunning. And uh, Even I think though we had snow and stuff earlier. We in had. It's been very, very mixed week. But you look at you're going to get that in March. And uh, I think for the next couple of days, we're promised a little bit drier weather and milder weather, certainly. Just for listeners to maybe click on to my website on Mm horkins.ie. If you click on there, I have a blog written with the sort of hints and tips and jobs you can be doing once uh, the weather dries up. So, you know, it's the typical things of how to control moss in the lawn and how to what to feed the lawn with now and all those kind of seasonal tips, the sowing of seed. I've also featured on the blog one of the plants that we talked about last week, the crinodendron, the lovely Chinese, the Chilean lantern. Oh, right, yes. Uh, so I've put a picture of that plant The one plant like up. a big fuchsia. Yeah, it's like a big fuchsia. It'll be coming into flower at uh, the end of March, April, sort of May, May period. The flower buds are actually on the plants at the moment. I was looking at them yesterday. Uh, but a lovely evergreen plant if you wanted a bit of colour for late spring, early summer and a plant that will flower every year reliably. Right. Yeah. And a very easy plant to grow. So that's the Chilean lantern tree. But that's up as plant of the month for May uh, because it's really quite a nice plant and something different but also on the blog you've got the whole list of jobs to be done in the garden so if you are looking for something to do a list of things to do then click on to horkins.ie and uh, I have all the information there and there's also a lot of articles that I've written over the winter period uh, pertaining to things like the oca plants that we talked about last week early seed potatoes um, you know the general kind of hints and tips and going into a little bit more detail I suppose than mm-hmm. we, we can go on, on the programme so if people have a particular interest in for example that phacelia the plant I mentioned last week for the bees yes a uh, very easy plant to grow it's the time of year to plant it but I've written an article about that and again you'll get a sense of there's a couple of pictures up there as well to show people what the plant actually looks like so horkins.ie Click onto the blog, it's on the homepage there and it'll give you a great sense of what to be doing in the garden. Now you also have a hedging weekend happening. This weekend, yeah. Actually this weekend we've been growing the the hedges for the last couple of years and it's in the last week we're lifting the bare root plants and I think as I mentioned last week coming into early March is the time really to put in a hedge because first of all it's the cheapest time to buy the plants. They come bare rooted um, and they can be planted over the next fortnight to three weeks is the bare root season so mm-hmm. it starts well very much now in terms of lifting the plants um, so I'm talking about plants like laurel and beech that have been grown for the last two or three years they've been pruned back very nice bushy plants but we put them on sale um, from this time of year onwards uh, certainly up to about the end of March and uh, it's just the cheapest and probably the most effective time to put in a hedge because mm-hmm. you're coming into the growing season so the plants once lifted and replanted are just going to come into growth very quickly and I'm talking about plants like laurels that are maybe two and a half, three feet high. Yes. So you're, you so know, you're getting they're, they're a sturdy, yeah, at a very, at, at quite a low um, price at this time of year. So it's a good time if you're thinking, particularly putting in large hedges, uh, to consider planting them now over the next week to ten days. Um, we also have a number of our growers coming along, particularly to Turlock. Uh, we have one of the larger nursery growers. He's going to be there available both today and tomorrow to talk to people about the type of hedges to put in. So if you're in a difficult situation, say a seaside area mm. or an exposed garden, we'll talk about the type of hedge that will suit there. Or if you want something very low and neat, maybe around a herb garden or a rose garden, we'll we'll show you the different types of plants. So this is the weekend. If you want advice on hedging, call down to Turlock and Castlebar, but also our store in Galway and Sligo. And uh, we'll have people on hand to give you advice really on, on the type of hedges to put in. But in particular, it's a really good time uh, both from a 
cost point of view, but also from a planting point of view to get hedges into the ground. Okay, and are, are, are we still kind of, I suppose, the old favourites, still the old favourites in terms of hedges or the, uh, are, are you seeing any different well, there's, trends? There's, there's, there's quite a big range. I mean, when you think about it, you, you, we always get the popular ones like the common laurel, like uh, beech, which, you know, which is both, both purple and copper beech are, are um, very popular and very hardy. But also things like the Portuguese laurel, which is that lovely Prunus lagustrum or Lusitanica, which is the small leaves. It's a very neat, dark green foliage plant, ideal for maybe a hedge up to three or four feet in mm-hmm. height, where you don't want too much maintenance and too much cutting and makes a very formal hedge. But also old traditional plants like green and uh, uh, variegated golden privet are coming back into vogue again. They're hardy, they're easy to grow, they're semi-evergreen, good, tough, kind of easy to grow plant. Iliagnus abengii, one of the great plants for seaside areas, again has made a comeback in the last number of years. And I suppose the frost of, of what is it now, six or seven years ago, taught us a lesson that some of the more tender plants like Chrysalinia and Escalonia weren't as hardy as we thought. Mm. And I suppose people are a little bit more cautious now in putting in uh, hedges that will tolerate frost and, and will tolerate um, windy conditions and so on. So, yeah, I suppose people are sticking to the more um, tried and trusted Trusted, plants, really. Uh, But certainly this is the time of year as we come into the first and second week of March to get those plants into the ground. And we'll show you how to trim them back because young plants should be tipped back or trimmed back at an early stage to encourage a really full bushy plant from from the get-go. And also just some tips on what to feed plants, how to space them. Um, We'll go into all of that uh, over the weekend. So it's today and tomorrow in the garden centre in Turlock in particular. We'll have a number of the growers there, but also in our Galway store and in Sligo store. There's quite a big range of plants to have a look at. Okay, so if you have that kind of a project on over the springtime, then it might be well worth your while to take a couple of hours and go along and see it in practical terms. Because there's nothing like seeing it literally in the flesh. Yeah, and there's a good range of plants there to be able to go through people with. Mother's Day coming up in another couple of weeks as well. Actually, it was, funnily, I had a question this morning. Uh, Somebody was wondering, was this the weekend that the clocks go forward? Now, happily, not just yet. We've got another couple of weeks. But before that, actually, Mother's Day Day is is two two Sundays time, isn't it? Yeah, it's Sunday week. It's the 15th of March. And it's always, I suppose, a great time, particularly we find in in the garden centre business, people are very interested in giving something um, that will flower at this time of year every year around Mother's Day. And, you know, you've got the traditional plants like the uh, beautiful Camille have just come into flower now and they flower right through for oh, up until the end of May mm. in, in many cases, particularly as they start to mature. But I often think they make a great Mother's Day plant because they flower for such a long period. But every year is irrespective if, if Mother's Day can, the date can change slightly from year to year. But the, the plant of Camellia comes into flower always but by the end of February, early March and flowers through to the end of May. And they come in a whole range of colours and are beautiful at the moment. Uh, but also there's a lovely new azalea called Sophie, which is a really nice red variety, um, which makes a, a lovely plant as well. It'll be coming into flower at the end of March, early April. Um, low-growing plant, vivid red flowers, lovely foliage as well. The plant looks really attractive at this time of year and um, would also make a, an ideal plant. But also there'd be all the indoor plants like the lovely um, orchids the Phelanopsis and and, uh, all the popular orchid plants again are flowering just as we speak and will be in flower for Mother's Day. And some of the early hydrangeas, believe it or not, that are forced in the greenhouses are coming into flower at the moment. So these are plants that the nurserymen would have brought into into the greenhouses in the autumn and 
trick them into thinking that it's summertime and they're just beginning to flower now. Right. And th- those sort of plants will make ideal uh, Mother's Day's gift. But also I was just in the garden centre last night and I was looking at herbs, the herb yeah. collection. And this is the time of year for actually planting herbs and um, particularly for uh, use during the summer months and there's a great range of plants available. So this is a big ball of time. time, Yeah, Yeah, it's golden time. And this plant um, we grew from last year, so this is two years old now. It's about, I suppose, a foot in diameter. It's only about four or five inches high. Yeah, It's the golden foliage time. It makes a beautiful plant out of doors, but I thought that would make a fantastic uh, to do up a window box or plant a container of mixed herbs, particularly Mm. if your your mom is into cooking. um, And planting herbs today you're going to be using them in two to three weeks' time. They come into growth that fast and then you'll use them right through until early winter, really. Mm. And the trick with, with all herbs is to, to continue to prune them and trim them and use the foliage right through the growing season. So they actually work really well if you're a, 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 a um, an avid cook and you're trimming the hedge or the herbs on a regular basis, you're stimulating new growth and the plant just continues to grow and really responds very well to that trimming back. Yeah, that's a fabulous looking plant. So um, I'm just after tasting it. It's kind of a lemony taste. There is a, there, there is a kind mm. of a lemony, zesty taste mm. to that. Uh, that's the golden thyme. It's got golden it's foliage. Not as strong as maybe the more traditional or regular thyme. Not as no, but it also has that kind of zesty or limey mm. taste to it. Um, but also the, all the popular herbs like spearmint is available at the moment, lemon balm, all the parsley, both the Italian and the curled leaf parsley, um, thyme as we mentioned, purple sage. And I always recommend to go for herbs that you're actually going to use. Yeah. So stick to the kind of regular, reliable, easy to grow, but, but but herbs that you're actually going to use yeah. on a daily basis. Like the parsley and the thyme. <clears throat> parsley. Whatever, whatever you're going to stuff the chicken with on a Sunday and exactly. stuff like that. Wild rocket, for example, mm. is available at the moment. It makes a, It's a very, very fast growing herb, but it actually makes um, lovely as an alternative to lettuce or to salad leaves. And that's something that can be planted this time of year. So I thought just as rather than maybe giving a flowering plant, think of something that might be more useful. So a window box planted up with a selection of six or eight garden her- herbs would make a super uh, Mother's Day gift uh, in in um, on the fifteenth of March. So we're coming up to that time of year, I suppose, for Mother's Day, and maybe next week I'll actually bring a couple of the flowering plants into studio. And Sounds good. Give you a look at Grace. What? Did you pick one what for your man? <laughs> You're too good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's given out to me now that I didn't actually buy her anything. But anyway, I know she won't. Um, okay, so there's lots of uh, kind of ideas there to be thinking ahead. I know people will say, our Mother's Day is another two weeks away yet, but uh, do, do kind be of put, put a little bit of thought into it and to see yeah, maybe some particularly what might be a nice option for Plants her. that you can use mm. or plants that are going to flower. I think it's nice to have a plant that will flower this time every year. The other key thing, I was just, again, uh, thinking about things to do in the garden. And mm. one of the, the, the most important things at the moment is the pruning of plants and in particular the pruning right. of roses mm-hmm. should be done now um, so again if you get a dry day tomorrow or maybe on Monday get out and get those roses pruned back get them tidied up get them fed because with this mild weather this 10 degrees 12 degrees at the moment growth is going to start very soon and we always get the asked in mid-April you know, where listeners haven't pruned the roses back and there's two or three inches or four inches of growth on them and they're wondering, should they prune them? But really, this is the time, if you can, get out and get those plants cut back now. Apple trees, pears, plums, general fruiting plants should be cut back at this time of year as well. And also plants like dogwoods, the lovely red-stemmed dogwoods. They've been great all winter, fantastic colour. But before they come into growth, this is the month to, to... So over the next, say, a fortnight, think about pruning back any of your summer flowering plants 
plants like hydrangeas, roses, um, anything that's lavateria, for example, the mallows, they should be all tidy back, trimmed up. Your herbaceous borders, things like lupins, delphiniums, any of the plants that flower during the summer months, this is the time of year to tidy those back and kind of freshen them up and give them a feed because over the next couple of weeks, naturally, they're going to be coming into growth. If you've given them a handful of fertiliser, that's going to boost on the growth. Okay, how much tidying back should we do now on the likes of the roses? Well, roses, you'll be pruning, you know, your typical rose bush is two to three feet in height, maybe four feet in height. You're going to shorten that back to within six inches of soil level, removing any old or damaged timber and just leaving a nice open structure uh, to, to the rose bush. Remove any twigs or leaves that might be on the, the around the base of the roses and as I mentioned last week put on a winter wash because that cleanses the roses of any bugs or, or uh, pests that might invade them later on in the, in the summer months it gives them a, a really clean start during the week I cut my lawn for the first time oh, ooh, boss, I'm there you go I, I mean looked, it's late I looked, I looked out at mine and said oh, it's not ready yet <laughs> well it, it, you could have I mean lawns can be can be cut really whenever the weather dictates so right. as once they, they uh, you're not leaving track with the lawnmower yeah. you know so as once that now today obviously it's going to be quite wet but over the next couple of days it's it's the time to get the lawns mowed they've been growing all winter they're very tardy in most cases mine was certainly way way too high uh, but it's back in good condition again and the other thing I did was to feed the lawns because with this wet mild weather yeah. if you get on the, the Osmo moss remover it will kill the moss within two to three weeks but more importantly it'll actually feed the lawn and bring it back into good condition because between the the, uh, the growth it made during the winter and the frost and snow we've had in the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of yellowing, a lot of yes, kind of scorching that, on yeah. lawns. Yeah. So when you can over this coming week, uh, the first dry day and the first day that you can put the lawnmower back on the lawn, get the lawn trimmed and give it a feed. And within certainly 10 to 14 days, you'll see a dramatic improvement. So it's kind of kick-starting your lawn back into growth again. Okay, you, like, you don't have to cut it really tight. It's really no, just I, a clip at the top of Exactly, it, just really top it. Put the grass box on it, make sure you take off off the clippings um, you know you might, you'll be cutting it about two inches high at this time of year mm. and then as we go in to April and May you'll reduce it back to maybe an inch and a half or back to an inch if you wish mm-hmm. uh, but certainly start high and collect the grass and the key thing then is really to get on the feed and get it get get the growth kick start and get that nice green new growth start in the lawn and bring it back into good condition Okay, well, lo- lots of uh, tasks for people there. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We have quite a few questions have come in already, Porrick, and indeed people can continue to send them in to us. 087-900-4141 if you're texting our text uh, service with thanks to CNC Cellular. And you can phone us as well, 0818 3055. <laughs> very welcome back the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio with Porrick Horkin on this Saturday morning uh, Porrick loads of questions in big variety of stuff altogether so we'll kind of delve straight into it uh, listener would like to grow some green manure plants in their new vegetable patch and they're wondering what types can be sown now Okay, well, there's, there's actually quite a, a wide range. First of all, green manure is um, a method of adding fertiliser to your soil through plants rather than using artificial or organic fertiliser. So you simply sow the green manure seed into the ground, directly into the soil. It germinates, grows, and you just till it back. You till the plants back into the soil. Um, now, <clears throat> at this time of year, if you want something fairly fast, um, I'm presuming that the listener wants to, to to grow vegetables this spring and summer. Mm-hmm. There's a, a good plant called green mustard. Um, you buy the seed now this time of year, simply sprinkle it on. You could do it actually in a day like today. It doesn't matter if it's wet or dry. Rake it into the soil and that'll germinate within a two-week or three-week period. Allow it to grow for another four to five weeks and then 
literally dig it back into the soil and you can start planting then after that. Um, there's also uh, plants like red clover, white clover, uh, the phacelia that we actually talked about at the top of the programme. Um, any of those are green manures, natural green manures. Um, you just simply broadcast them into an area. So it's, it's an ideal, for, say, for an old garden that might need to be re- regenerated and nutrition added back to the soil. Or if you've got a young garden and you just want to add some kind of natural fertilizer without using chemicals or using um, bag fertilizer mm. it's a good way of doing it or if you want to rest a piece of soil say you have a piece of ground that has you've been growing potatoes for maybe a long number of years and you just want to rest that soil this year it's often a good idea to put a cover crop of something like phacelia or lupins actually blue lupins work very well right. or red clover white clover or the green, the, um, green mustard I mentioned. Um, and they can be left to grow on for this summer and dug in in the autumn as well. So it's a great, a good, good way. But to answer the question, this is the time of year to sow them over the next couple of weeks and you're tilling them back into the soil by about the middle of May, right. late April, early May. Okay. Last week you featured wheatgrass fairly extensively on the programme. Um, one or two people picking up on that. Um, they're wondering how much seed would you need to grow two large plastic trays? They find the wheatgrass great and they'd like to grow their own. Okay, well, generally it's sold in packs and a pack will do about a standard seed tray. So two packets of of wheatgrass. Sow it now indoors. Remember to put the cling film on the top. That just helps the germination. And you'll certainly be cutting the first crop of your wheatgrass by the middle of April. Now, it's often a good idea to maybe re-sow at that time. So sow a second batch to to use later on in the summer. So kind of um, successively sow a bit of succession planning so you know over maybe mm. a six or eight week period sow a second patch of seed but for two standard seed trays two packets will cover it comfortably Very good Now we've got a couple of questions regarding dahlias uh, people wondering about when they should be set and somebody else asking um, how do you go about splitting them that they have some old bulbs Okay well remember the dahlias are frost sensitive so you cannot put them out of doors until about the late April early May sort of period so the trick really is to start them off indoors now so if you've got yourself a greenhouse a tunnel a porch a warm windowsill anywhere where it's nice and bright but frost free that's the perfect location to grow dahlias and you simply just pot up the tubers if you've got the tubers from last year pot them up in seed trays or in pots or in boxes or anything at all just to get them started as soon as you see new growth starting that's the trigger to actually divide the plant in two. So you can split them like a potato tuber and um, therefore getting two plants or three plants from the one tuber. If they're new plants that you're purchasing this year, mm-hmm. just simply pot them up, grow them on for uh, indoors in a bright location. A good tip is once the, the shoot is about five or six inches high, pinch the centre of the shoot out and that encourages the plant to branch and the more branches you get on the plant, the more flowers you're going to get. And then really allow them to grow on in a bright location until the end of April and then plant them out into the garden soil. Good tip with dahlias is they're very hungry feeders. So add some organic matter if you've got farmer manure, chicken manure, um, even old garden compost that you've made yourself from grass clippings. Mm. Dig that into the soil before planting dahlias because they're a very hungry, remember they grow from nothing to three or four feet before they flower. So plenty of organic matter or um, any form of kind of organic compost or fertiliser added to the soil will will aid their growth and get them to flower longer. So really, the the trick is to get them started now indoors. And what about nasturtium seeds? Well, again, nasturtiums are frost sensitive as well. So again, you can start sowing them indoors at this time of year, 
growing them on in your tunnel and greenhouse or in, in a porch um, with, with the view to plant them out at nice. the end of April or nasturtium seed can be sown out of doors about the first week of April directly into the soil and they'll germinate during April and grow on then from May so either or either if you want them flowering early yeah. start them indoors now nasturtiums are dead easy I often mention with them actually as a little tip for people that are fond of hanging baskets yeah. and window boxes to plant up your hanging baskets and window boxes over the next couple of weeks and allow the, the, the traditional plants to grow on but then around the end of April Add in a couple of nasturtium seed. Now, these are the dwarf seed. Yeah. A, a very good variety is one called Alaska. It's got variegated foliage and beautiful red and orange flowers. The seed of that variety of Alaska is available at the moment. But it's particularly nice because it only grows about a foot long. Right. It's got the beautiful mottled variegated foliage before the flowers appear. So you've got the leaf colour straight away. But then you've got the flowers from June right through till September, October. Mm. And it's a nice addition to a, ba- to a hanging basket. And you simply just need to push the seed in around the edge, four or five seed pushed in around the edge of the basket around the end of April will give you a fantastic colour. And and the reason we do it at that stage is we allow the traditional training petunias and geraniums to grow on a little yeah. bit first because otherwise the nasturtiums will smother yeah, them. Yeah, because they are, uh, oh. they can, they have the habit of taking over. Absolutely. Bit, but yeah. they're great for, say, banks yeah. or slopes or rough ground that you want to cover. Yeah. They're terrific for that and they grow so easy. Um, you know, literally throw the seed on the ground and nasturtiums will grow. Great for kids as well because the seed is quite large, similar to a pea seed. So it's quite visible and, and you know, uh, a child sowing it, it's a very visual. It's not too, it's not too pernicious. Not, you know, and yeah. so easy to grow. So again, if you want to get children involved in a classroom situation or in, at home, get a couple of packets of nasturtium seed. They only cost you a couple of euro and they're so easy to grow. And now is the time to start them indoors or sow them from seed out of doors in in April, in if you April. wish. Now, a listener has lots of pots, uh, but the pots have a green scum on the side and just wondering, would you have any tips on how you might clean it off? They're mainly terracotta pots. Well, you'll get that with terracotta yeah. pops. Some pe- people think that's very it's chic. A, yeah, it's um, shabby chic. Shabby chic, yeah, that's it. Garden. <laughs> yeah, but if you want to clean them off, you can use the pack, you know, the, the treatment that we use for the very patio. Very effective, yeah, great. Yeah, so for patio and driveways or timber uh, fencing, I think we had last week, but they're also very effective on pots as well. So just get yourself a, a small solution of the pack, mix it with water, spray it onto the terracotta pots it'll kill off any of the algae and moss that's on them but it'll also bring up the colour it kind of um, brings back the colour of the clay pot as well and tidies it up so a a light application of that that could be done actually now and uh, it'll clean the pots within a week is farmyard manure good to use on apple trees, asks Anne. It's great when you're planting young trees. Remember that farmer manure is, I mean, I re- recommended it for the dahlias earlier on. So where you want plants to grow very leafy, to put on lots of growth, then farmer manure is great. Mm. So it's ideal for newly, say for hedging, if you're putting a new hedging this weekend or over the next couple of weeks, then dig the trench, put in the farmer manure into it, backfill the soil and plant your hedging plants. Because what do we want? We want lots of leafy growth from our, our new hedges. But for uh, so it's great for for new apple trees, new fruit trees. Rhubarb, for example, loves farmer manure because, again, you want leaves and stems. But for older trees, you don't want that. You don't want vigorous growth. You want a tree that's going to grow very slowly mm. and produce flowers and buds. And so a farmer manure wouldn't be recommended for established trees, trees that are over kind of four or five years growth, where you want them slowing down and coming to fruiting. You want them maturing. Um, so keep your farmer manure for kind of for your spuds, for your vegetable crops that are leafy, for your dahlias, for your rhubarb, for your hedges, those sort of leafy plants. And use um, something like a rose feed on fruiting. If you want plants just to settle down and to fruit, then um, a good rose fertiliser is as good as any. 
Very good. Now, speaking of hedging, Tommy asks, is laurel fast growing and how far apart should he plant them? Two feet apart. They are fast growing. Now, remember that, that that's something to take, to it be considerate of mm. because... <clears throat> They don't stop growing when they're 10 years old or 12 years old. They continue to grow. So laurel is the common laurel, rotundifolia, is a great hedge if you want something above six feet. So, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten feet high. They're terrific for that. Mm. Very vigorous, very fast growing. Generally need to be pruned twice a year to keep them really tidy and neat. Um, but there are uh, slower growing forms and uh, there's, as I mentioned, the Portuguese. Portuguese laurel. We all call it laurel, but it's actually um, Prunus lusitanic. It's a different variety than the common laurel. Smaller leaves, a lot more compact. Nicer hedge if you want something kind of four to five, up to six feet. I would recommend the Portuguese laurel as an alternative because long term, it's a far easier plant to maintain, to right. trim. Um, and I think it makes a nicer hedge, uh, you know, overall. So... To answer his question, yes, they are very fast growing, and maybe that's what he wants. Yeah, but you, the, but they continue to grow all. The yeah, time. and and the important thing when planting laurels is people often leave them for a number of years. It's important to start trimming them from the day you put them in, right. and we'll be showing people that over the weekend how to train the plant from the get go because that's important to keep it very full and very dense and a little bit of pruning. You know, what it tends to happen is people they tackle mature hedging plants cutting off feet of growth and that's all wasted right. rather than just taking off a small amount of growth on a regular basis to train the plant the way you want to shape it. So we'll be covering a little bit of that over the weekend. Ferns. Do ferns grow on damp soil or can you get ones to grow a dry shade under trees? You can. You can get both types. You can get some that really love the the damp, moist soil and others. Um, there's actually a lovely variety called parsley which is a fern, a, a variety of fern called parsley. So there are ferns for shade and for dry areas. The important thing when planting them, first of all, is to put them in clusters. So plant ferns in groups of fives or sevens to get a clustered effect, as they would grow in the wild. You'd very seldom see a fern plant on mm-hmm. its own. It tends to be in a cluster and it looks better. Um, the second thing is when in dry soil, this is a good time to plant them, but also to irrigate, to water them well, uh, particularly if they're under the overhang of a tree or a hedge that might be taking moisture from the soil anyway but also stopping any rain getting to the fern. So for the first year you'll need to water them well and wash them on a regular basis until such time as they get established. But after that, from the second year on, they'll do very well. Now, a big clump of ox-eye daisies. Oh, Joan has plant. a big clump and she's wondering when can she transplant them? Well, ox-eye daisy, just to explain what it is, it's, it produces ox-eye or, or daisy-like flowers with a yellow centre and a white, um, white, white uh, petals. Mm. Very easy plant to grow. Great in seaside areas and exposed gardens because it dies back in winter and re-emerges at this time of year. And this is the time to divide it and split it. So literally go out, tidy back the old stems from last year if they're there, dig up the entire clump and get a sharp spade and split it up into five, six or eight, you know, pieces. So you want the pieces roughly about the size of a dinner plate and they can be transplanted at this time of year. So wait till the next dry day, dig up the clump of of oxide daisy, split it with a sharp spade and then transplant it to other areas. And this is a good time for transplanting and splitting plants in general. So rhubarb, for example, could be split at this time of year. Hostas, those plants that are grown for their beautiful foliage, they're still dormant. But if you dig them up now, split them, you'll see the little eyes of the little buds beginning to start and they can be shifted around the garden. And many herbaceous plants like the oxide daisy, like hostas, um, like flocks can be, can be divided at this time of year by lifting and splitting and transplanting into other areas. 
Okay. Uh, we'll have one more question on potatoes and then we'll take another quick little okay. break. Um, so last week you talked pretty extensively about potatoes. It's and the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Patrick is wondering, would uh, you have a good variety of potato to grow as a salad potato? Maybe something easy in pots. And also query regarding the ones you talked about last week uh, for a garden that's prone to slugs. Okay. Well, the, the variety I mentioned for the slugs is one called Kestrel. Remember that. It, the bird of prey, the Kestrel. Oh, yes. It's a particularly nice variety. It's got um, it's white with kind of purple eyes. Um, secondarily variety. So if you plant it or sprout it now, you'll certainly be digging and eating it in mid July. But it's it's it it probably one of the best variety for slug resistance, um, and it's available now for sprouting. In terms of salad potatoes, you're looking for potatoes that have a waxy type of flesh. Um, and three varieties that I could recommend. There's a lovely old variety called pink apple fur. Unusual name for a potato, isn't it? Pink apple fur. And it's an unusual variety because it produces long, elongated tubers. So they're like, they're nearly like a parsnip or a carrot in shape. Um, but and a pinky texture to them but a beautiful variety for a real old variety I think it goes it's at least 100 years old um, and quite a nice unusual variety is that p- pink apple fur great cropper beautiful salad potato it actually works really well as a cold potato or a hot salad potato um, so it's a particularly nice one another good variety is one called Foremost um, that's particularly early so if you want a nice early variety, uh, look for foremost. So you, you could actually plant foremost and pink apple fir uh, for a bit of, of uh, continuation. So the foremost will be ready about the second week of June and pink apple fir then is generally available, ready for harvesting about the end of July. Um, another, another good variety is one called Picasso. Okay. The painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's similar to, it's actually, uh, from memory, I think it's the daughter of the cara potato, the Irish cara potato, Picasso, that again has waxy flavour, is a main crop variety. Um, so you can plant each one of each of those. So pink apple fir, foremost, and Picasso okay. will give you salad potatoes from July right through till October, November. Ooh, sounds, sounds really good. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. We still have lots more to come, though, so stay with us. You're welcome back. Pork uh, hedging, lots of hedging questions appropriate, seeing as there is a hedging weekend mm-hmm. on this weekend. Now, a listener has a green box hedge. It's yellow, some dead twigs through it, wondering what is affecting it and should they feed it now? Well, that's box blight, which is a is a disease of, of boxwood. Boxwood is that small, tiny-leafed um, hedge that's mm-hmm. suitable, say, for around your rose garden or, you know, as a small kind of informal low hedge easy plant to grow but it, it can be affected by box blight which typically right. the symptoms are yellowing of the foliage yellowing of the leaves of the tips in particular and you will get twigs or, or dead wood as the listeners suggest so what to do is really first of all it should be trimmed back at this time of year so I like trimming back tidy it up now okay. and the second thing is to apply a treatment of top box which is a is a, a treatment for the control of box blight. So you simply, it's a tablet, you mix it in water in a washing can or a sprayer and just apply it onto the foliage. Now that actually contains a feed. So not only does it control the box blight fungi, it feeds, it liquid feeds the plant as well. So it brings the colour and, um, you know, it brings new growth back into the plant. So get yourself a, a little tub. There's about 10 tablets from memory in a, in a tub. Uh, it's tall, called Top Box simply mix with water and you can apply it any time from now on. So a light trimming first of all and then apply the top box uh, treatment and that'll give it a boost and it'll also uh, control the and if, if people have box growing in the garden it's a good 
tonic for plants anyway. Even if, if even if there's no even if there's no really. yeah no because you're actually the the the, fun, the fungicide in it will help to control any possible diseases that might come, but also the foliar feed gives them a bit of a boost, which they could do with at this time of year. Okay, prevention better than cure. Yeah, and we're seeing actually says. this year I've noticed a lot of yellowing in plants, um, particularly laurels. Yeah, a lot of yellowing, uh, a lot of evergreen plants that are they're, they're showing kind of signs, and that tends to be a sign of stress. It tends to be a sign of possibly a, a tough enough winter that they've come through, particularly if you get a lot of rain. Yeah, uh, so you know the, where you see the yellowing generally a good feed for plants so something like the Pro 6 or a good shrub fertiliser around the base of plants now yeah. will bring that bring colour back on. Yeah. Now a listener has a wedding in July and they'd like some colour for the church's flowers for decoration so they're wondering would you have any suggestions for something that would go good with long stemmed vases? So they want to grow plants so They themselves. want to grow the flowers themselves okay. <clears throat> and they need to be long stemmed. Well July is a great month it's a great month for colour. I mean, you're, you're, you're bang on in the sea, in the time of year when lots of plants are, are in colour. Um, we spoke about the dahlias earlier on. I mean, they'd be great for a, a, a mm-hmm. big splash of colour that come into flower in July if you, if you plant them now. For long stems, I think gladioli, beautiful, uh, easy to grow bulb. I mean, you buy the bulbs at this time of year. They're cheap to buy. They're fantastic colours, yeah. kind of really bright oranges and reds and yellows, purples. Um, but they've got the fantastic long stems. So gladioli will typically grow four feet, five feet, four feet certainly in height. You'll have a stem of three, two and a half to three feet. Fantastic. And and yeah, and you have a clump of, 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 of bulbs or flowers on it there. Fla- oh yeah, flower, it flowers yeah. the whole way up along the stem. So they'd, they'd be quite nice. Agapanthus, the African lily, is a lovely plant. Um, there's a nice variety called Blue Wave. It's a very uh, deep blue agapanthus, a perennial plant. So you plant it at this time of year. It'll come into flower about the end of June and flower through July into August. So that would be bang on the time of year. And it tick the something blue box for people. It would, a- a- absolutely. Um, lilies, again, can be planted from bulbs at this time of year. The stargates or lilies or some of the scented lilies. Um, so a lot of the summer flowering uh, phloxes would be lovely. Uh, Rudbeckia is a lovely plant that produces bright yellow flowers. Um, so I look at toddle on to your local gardens and to go in. Uh, there's a quite a r- wide range of bulbs that can be planted at this time of year, but also perennial plants like like the agapanthus I mentioned and uh, even the oxeye daisy that we had at the top of yes. the programme. That would be a great plant in July. Loads and loads of colour, very easy to grow and would also be a good filler. Uh, would you know if you if you have a lot of vases to do yeah. or a lot of colour to do? So any of those you know plants like hydrangeas will be coming into flower. Sweet pea, if you grow it now, will be flowering in July. Nice bit of scent, and again, yeah. it's got the long stem. So July is an easy month. Okay. Roses. So it really, it's picking out what's best out of all what of those suits? suggestions. Yeah. Is it too late, asks Evelyn, to move an azalea tree? It never flowers. Um, it's a bit on the bleak side just where it's planted. It must be in shade. But it's planted about 10 years. Yeah, well, azaleas do need a, a more sheltered... Them. Remember that they're evergreens. They retain their foliage in winter. Uh, the other thing is that they like a slightly acid soil. So when you're planting azaleas or rhododendrons, pl- make sure you put in some of the ericaceous compost and some of the ericaceous feed when planting. And they also do great in pots. So, you know, an alternative might be to lift it and put it into a large pot now and keep it on your patio um, and, and enjoy the colour that way. Because azaleas are relatively easy to grow. So to answer the question, yes, 
to get up at this time of year, a 10-year-old azalea will still lift. It's a good time to be lifting evergreen plants in general. And um, so simply take as much of the root ball as possible, dig it up and either put it into a large pot of ericaceous compost or plant it into a more sheltered part of the garden with some ericaceous feed. Now, kind of to do with the rhubarb, but tackling it from two sides, uh, one person asks, how do we feed rhubarb? And the other person would like to get rid of wild rhubarb. Okay, well, two completely different (laughs) plants and two completely different purposes. So, and make sure you don't start feeding the wild rhubarb. Yeah, or else you're in trouble. Now, so what do you do? So, well, go back to the the ordinary, the edible rhubarb. What do you feed it with? It needs, as I said earlier, it needs a... Um, it needs a high nitrogen feed. So something like uh, Supergrow fertilizer around the base of it now, or if you have organic matter, if you've got old farm and manure, garden compost, you know, anything that has an organic nature will feed rhubarb and you're what you want from rhubarb is lots of succulent new stems and foliage. Um, you could liquid feed it as well if you wish, something like miracle Grow or a good tomato feed will boost on the growth. And now is the time to be feeding rhubarb because you want that energy. Um, in terms of the wild rhubarb, it's a very, very difficult plant to eradicate. It's Gunnera manicata, which was introduced as an ornamental plant many, many years ago and has spread, particularly in the west of Ireland, around places like Ackle, it's become a a very persistent weed and very Mm. difficult to eradicate. And lots of trials, Mayo County Council actually did uh, conducted some trials to see what herbicide would be most effective for the gunaround to control it. And they've come back really to the only answer being the use of Roundup as an effective and, okay. and kind of regular and persistent use. One application will never get rid of it. Right, so you need to stay on top of it really. You it's do. more about managing it. It is it? really and it's it's uh, it's just one of those um, th- those weeds that just is so difficult to, to eradicate and can be um, very destructive and, and, and colonise an area very quickly when right. it gets out of hand. So regular use of, of Roundup unfortunately is the only solution that they've we've come up with yeah. yet to be in some way able to control it. And is this, uh, is the, are we in early growing season now? For it's too early, it's, yeah, it's yeah. too early yet to treat it. You right. would, now, going back to the feeding, I shouldn't have joked earlier because actually one of the ways to control weeds in general is to feed them first and get the soft young growth. So if you actually put a bit of 10, 10, 20 around the base of the wild rhubarb and get that soft young growth, it's far more susceptible then when you hit it with something like a proprietary weed killer. Um, So, you know, you could actually put a little bit of agricultural feed on it now, make it soft and make it, you know, susceptible. And and, um, And then hit it with the roundup. Exactly. And you get get a good kill. It would be important though to see the project through for both steps don't just feed it and leave it exactly (laughs) no yes exactly yeah exactly so persistence i think is the is the uh that's the key there solution yeah um listener grew facilia last year saved the seed is it possible to grow this year's plants from last year's seeds absolutely and and you'll often find that it, it produces so much seed that there'll be a lot of natural seed in the soil where the listener grew it last year. But if you sow, if you have the seed, you can certainly start sowing it indoors if you want, if you want to start it off early for transplanting out or just broadcast the seed on the next dry day into a bit of uh, fresh ground. And uh, Facilia is frost hardy, so it'll germinate out of doors. It'll grow on, it'll come into flower in the early part of June and flower through to the end of the summer. 
Okay. Listeners wondering about any tips on growing Morning Glory. They've had problems with them in the past. Well, Morning Glory is, is the eye for me. It's actually, it's in that song, isn't it? You're good at this. Um, what's that what's song? What's the story, Morning, Morning Glory? Morning Glory, yeah. Oasis. And I, I think there, there's a, if my memory serves me right, there's some sort of narcotic um, element morning glory <laughs> that I wouldn't know anything about <laughs> but anyway um, so and it, it's funny that years ago it was very popular seed for people to buy um, oh, okay. not necessarily for gardening I think right, for other right, uses it has, but anyway yeah. it has it has it, it has a few attractions it has a reputation and um, when you see here Oasis singing about it there's definitely <laughs> something to it about the flower itself <laughs> right <laughs> moving swiftly along yeah so <laughs> this is the time to sow the seed it, it is a fantastic climbing plant beautiful beautiful climbing plant um Lovely colours, blues and pinks and reds, um, very, very vigorous. And uh, you sow it from seed indoors. So really what I would do is buy yourself a couple of packs of, more of the seed, Morning Glory, get a couple of pots or trays, good quality compost, have the compost moist, sow the seed. The seed are quite large, again, kind of piece size. And um, just have it in moist compost with cling film over the top of it. It should take about two to three weeks to germinate and then grow it on indoors until the first week of May. Don't put it out too early because it is sensitive to cold winds and frosty conditions. So you really need to pick your moment to put it planted out of doors. Yes. And once it gets going, it really takes off. Um, so a nice sheltered, sunny location. Um, and once you get it after over that kind of first or second week out of doors, it tends to gallop ahead. So I would persist with it. It's easy to grow, um, but do keep it indoors until about the first week of May and grow it on. Now, just one or two more before we finish up, Horik. Rose cutting. Um, somebody took uh, some cuttings last September. They're doing really well. Right. Uh, there is quite a few in each pot. They're wondering uh, when should they transplant them? Should yeah. they do it now? And how about how did they do it? The answer is yes, you should transplant them now. Roses actually take from cuttings really well. And, and when we were here in the autumn, I was advocating that listeners should try some cuttings. Generally, you take the cuttings about pencil length, mm -hmm. pencil thickness. And obviously, they've rooted for this listener now. So the key thing at this stage is you'll see some new growth starting. Prune back the stems to within about four or five inches from the top of the pot. So give them another pruning back above a bud and then transplant them out of doors. If they're cuttings of the same variety, so say you've taken 10 or 12 cuttings off Trumpeter Rose, a lovely red variety, put three or four of those cuttings down together, space them about four or five inches apart and put them down in a triangular shape um, to form one new rose, if that makes sense. So use three cuttings of the same variety to make one really strong rose. Prune back, prune them back and treat them like you would any other rose. Give them a handful of fertiliser in a couple of weeks' time. Use the rose clear then from about the first week of April onwards and they'll come into flower in June for you and you've got yourself some fantastic roses for the next 15 or 20 years. Okay, when do you have the red hot pokers? They come in, they, again, there's a lovely plant for going back to the uh, plant that will flower in yes, July yeah. with long stems, fantastic colours. I don't know how they go with the wedding dress, but anyway, they they tend to be kind of orange and yellow. They're very, very bright. Yeah. Um, the plants come available about the middle of March, early April is the time to plant them out of doors. And red hot popper pokers, once you have them, you'll have them for many, many years. They're like a nice sunny location, bright, sunny, great, again, a great plant for seaside locations to do really, really well. So uh, end of March, early April, start planting them. Okay. And final question, I think, is it possible to get seaweed fertiliser? It is, yeah. And you'll often find with, with um, certain certain fertilisers, um, like Colour Boost or like Seamongus or like... Um, the grow more the grow or the grow sure they tend to contain seaweed in the mix 
So there can be a blend of seaweed and other organic mm. fertilizers, or you can get pure seaweed on its own. Right. And seaweed is really good for vegetable plants in particular. Um, so for cabbages, carrots, veg in general, it, it works really well. So when you're sowing the seed to, to mix them to in mix some of the in. seaweed, yeah, and there's a huge mind, amount of mit- micro nutrients in uh, seaweed, so it's particularly good for veg- vegetable plants and herbs. Okay, so yes, it can be gone. Yes, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, different, di- different concentrations and all that kind of thing. Um, okay, we'll have to leave it there. So, go, uh, hedging so, weekend this weekend. Yeah, remember, particularly in Turlock, we've got the growers down. I'll be there myself and Peter will be there just to talk to people about hedging in general. So if you've any, you know, if you've got problems with the boxwood, bring the piece in and we'll we'll, we'll yeah. have a look at it and, and diagnose I just, it for I you. I see somebody with a laurel hedge here that we just didn't quite get to that question with brown and yellow leaves. Yeah, so all those kinds of questions think, will be Bring answered. those in and we'll, we'll answer more. If you're think, thinking of putting in a new hedge, pop it and we'll advise you on what plan to use. We're in Galway as well. Our store is between Ordenmore and Clare Galway in Galway and also in Sligo on the Bund Orden Road. Okay, great stuff. Thanks very much, Porik. We shall chat you next Saturday. We will indeed. Yep. Alright, have a good weekend. That's uh, my lot as well for this morning. Michael Neary has uh, walked into the studio. He's coming your way directly after the news at 10 with this morning's Country Classics. We'll talk to you again next Saturday just after 7. Until then, have yourselves a great weekend. Good morning to you.